Will the US get an equivalent to GDPR? Robotic process automation in fraud investigations and MasterCard's tokenization-based identity management solution. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Democratic senators have introduced yet another version of data security legislation that would create a federal breach notification requirement. Some 15 Democratic senators, led by Senator Brian Schatz, Democrat of Hawaii, last week introduced the Data Care Act, which would require those offering websites and apps and other online providers to take steps to safeguard personal information and stop the misuse of users. It's hard to tell if the legislation will advance. With GDPR in Europe setting the standards not just in the EU, but for any companies operating in the EU, it might be time for the US to follow suit with its own national-level regulations. Here's ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, with the details. Could Americans finally get strong privacy rights? A group of 15 Democratic senators in the US has just introduced new privacy legislation called the Data Care Act. The DCA would require US organizations to follow specific data privacy standards. In particular, it would require organizations to exercise a duty of care as well as confidentiality when handling anyone's personal information. Specific provisions would include having to promptly inform users of any breaches that involve their personal details, as well as prohibiting the use of individual identifying data in any way that could harm users. These rules would also extend to any third parties with which an organization discloses, sells, or shares people's personal information. But will the legislation advance? So far, that's unclear. Despite numerous attempts, Congress has failed to pass any mandatory data breach notification legislation. Since 2002, however, states have stepped into the gap, starting with California. All states now require any breached organization to notify individuals if their personal details might have been exposed. But these notification requirements now lag the strong privacy protections offered in Europe. The General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, which went into full force in May, requires mandatory data breach notifications from any organization that exposes Europeans' personal data. But GDPR goes beyond notification and also requires organizations to have appropriate protections in place. And the law gives regulators the ability to impose steep penalties on any organization that fails to take seriously its duty to protect Europeans' privacy. Beyond monetary penalties, which can stretch to up to 4% of an organization's annual global revenue, or 20 million euros, whichever is greater, regulators can also revoke an organization's ability to process personal data. GDPR is already having a pronounced effect on the global privacy landscape. I've been speaking with various data protection authorities across Europe, and all have been seeing an increase in complaints being filed by Europeans who are concerned about how organizations are approaching data security. In addition, a number of organizations have been filing data breach reports. Since GDPR went into effect, the number of reports has hit 3,500 in Ireland, over 4,600 in Germany, 6,000 in France, and 8,000 in the UK. Ireland's Data Protection Commission tells me that last year it saw, on average, 230 data breach reports per month. Under GDPR, however, it now sees 500 breach reports per month, meaning they've more than doubled. This increase 
isn't a reflection on whether the number of data breaches has been increasing, especially since May 25th. Rather, it's revealing even more of the data breaches that are already happening. In this age of ongoing mega breaches, it's clear that even many massively profitable, well-resourced organizations, such as Equifax and Facebook, have not been properly prioritizing data security or their users' privacy. So will GDPR now drive more organizations to put better safeguards in place, potentially reducing the number of data breaches? Could GDPR lead other countries, such as the US, which have historically had weak, if any, privacy protections, to strengthen what they offer their citizens? For the answer to those questions, we'll have to stay tuned. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Fraud investigations are inherently complex and the input of variables to understand each case of fraud into case management systems is laborious. This is where robotic process automation, or RPA, comes in as a means of automating these manual tasks, freeing up fraud analysts to spend more time on value-added tasks. I spoke with IT Group Shirley Insko about the role of RPA in fraud investigations. So one is just the process of actually accumulating all of the information that a fraud investigator needs in order to work a case. And, you know, these investigators have to go to a lot of different um, systems within their financial institution, and they also often go to different websites to accumulate data. You can use RPA to automate all of that and have the data ready for the investigator when that case is open so that it's all there and in the case management system and this, uh, the investigator, he or she, can just review that data and get started. So, for example, I spoke to an executive recently who told me that his staff spends about 80% of their time accumulating data and only about 20% of their time actually analyzing and acting on the data. With robotic process automation or RPA, I believe that you can reverse those percentages so that, you know, 20% of the time is spent accumulating data and 80% is spent analyzing and acting on it, thereby making the investigators far more efficient and also making their jobs more um, enjoyable. I was going to say that that's, that's far more fulfilling than, than you know, certainly just doing oh, time-consuming tasks. Yeah, those, those manual, time-consuming, repetitive tasks are just not fun for anybody. And right. so automate that and let people do the things they enjoy and, and apply their skill sets. So I, I can give another quick example, and that comes to um, communications about a case. So for example, if you're, particularly if it's a large dollar potential loss, there are internal people within the bank who want updates constantly, particularly if it's going to hit their cost center as an expense if it's charged off. And of course, customers want to be kept updated as well. And so RPA can be used to automate these uh, updates and communicate internally and externally where the case stands, what the current status is, what steps are being taken. Whatever information can be shared or that you would want to share can be automated. And this would really improve the customer's uh, experience. It would also cut down on the number of incoming calls asking the investigator for updates that can sometimes literally preclude you from actually doing the work because there are so many calls coming in asking 
what's happening. Finally, I had the opportunity to speak with MasterCard's Chief Information Security Officer, Ron Green. I wanted to ask him about MasterCard's new fusion center and what makes it different from a security operations center. Here's Ron. So that we still have a security operations center. Uh, we have two of them. Um, but our fusion center is, if, if you think about it, the SOC finds an issue and then they bring that issue to uh, a team, a virtual team. Uh, and most companies in most places, you know, you'll, you, you will bring in the legal team, you'll bring in the security team, you'll bring in the communications team, you'll bring in the customer relationships team, you'll bring in the technology teams. So you'll you'll create these virtual teams and then you can't get everybody at the same time and then you have different meetings uh, that come up. Uh, and when that happens, uh, you lose time. Things that uh, could be handled in a really short amount of time uh, take much more time because there's a lot of coordination, there's a lot of information loss. How a fusion center really compensates or fix all that is that the fusion center, in the fusion center, all those teams sit every single day. So uh, our fusion center, while corporate security runs it, it's actually 16 different teams across MasterCard, from legal to uh, communications to customer relations uh, to the product teams to the uh, operations team. They're all there all the time. And when something comes up, they all are aware of it at the same time. There's no uh, telephone game. It's just um, everyone there at the same time receiving all the information together in order to uh, come up with a holistic response. I also asked Ron about some of the more interesting initiatives that the Card Network is developing in 2019. One of these is an initiative in conjunction with Microsoft around identity management and based on the success of tokenization of card data. Here's Ron again. When a breach occurs, um, immediately the identity information for a person is put at risk, um, all from the loss of information from one store. Um, digital identity, we're going to continue to need or rely upon, especially as we do more things in a uh, in a way that you know we're not physically there. Um, so uh, in this effort you'll actually see us uh, come up with ways to, you know, authenticate uh, and maintain uh, a person's ability, allow them to transact without creating a big store or repository where uh, that information is to be stolen. Um, so um, much in the way that we currently do uh, uh, card transactions where the information that uh, helps you to make a transaction is in different places, we could do the same thing with an identity. And then when you need to make that uh, interaction that justifies who you are, to authenticate who you are, that information comes together for that point in time, you get authenticated, and then it all uh, disperses or uh, folds back to where it belongs. So can, I mean, can I ask is this, I mean, is this, this seems like a logical progression from tokenization. Are we effectively talking about tokenizing identities here or is this something different? Yeah, well, it, it really, and the, I guess that's why we're a great partner for this. It's just, it's continuing, it's the evolution of what we're doing with tokenization, right? It's it's creating what we need when we need it and, and constructing it in such a way that if you were to, to take it or uh, take part of it, it actually isn't the thing that's of value. And and, and you as the, 
the person doing the transaction, you get a lot, you get uh, the control over when that identity is used. Uh, and it's, again, you're right. It's not pers persistent. It's needed. It's created then and only then and available only then. And then it's gone. And then it's, it's no longer, no longer of any value. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.